0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries.
0: You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul.
1: And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Well, hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. We're excited to be with you because we have some very special guests with us. I will warn you up front that this uh, front third to half of the podcast is going to be discussion all about the Grand Tour. So, if you have not seen that yet, you might want to stop the podcast, go watch it and then come back to it because we have very special guests, yeah. Nick and Gary from Grand Tour Nation on Facebook and GrandTourNation.com. Guys, welcome. We're thrilled to have you. Oh,
0: thanks for having Thank us. You. It's great to be here. We
2: we are, we so, are thrilled so to be here. Thank you. both Nick
0: and Gary have been following uh, our podcast and the Everyday Driver Show for a while. And they, uh, they started and they work at majorly providing all this information for Grand Tour through Grand Tour Nation. I want them to explain a little better. But uh, again, as Paul warned you, massive spoiler alert if you have not seen the show yet. (laughs) So episode one is out. And and candidly, we we met these guys and talked with them a little while back. And we knew they were running Grand Tour Nation. And we wanted to have them on to talk about it. Because let's be honest, it is a huge news item in automotive right now. Mm -hmm. So we figured we would actually debrief it at a level that candidly paul and i can't do ourselves so a first question though i kind of wanted to understand from you guys i mean explain to those that haven't discovered it already i mean you've got a huge following on facebook and elsewhere but explain to those that are listening what is grand tour nation
3: uh so grand tour nation um is basically it started off as a facebook page where i was just having fun with old Mm -hmm. Top Top gear fans and we're just waiting for the grand tour to premiere and sure. I, I wanted to have one one platform, basically, where I could just share all the stuff that I was finding on Twitter or Instagram or through the news about what mm-hmm. the boys were up to. So I put it on Facebook as more of like a bookmarking service, but then um, it just started to pick up a lot of traffic, a lot of people started finding out about it, a lot of people started sharing the content, so then it grew really, really fast. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It started in August, literally August 9th, 2016. That so was the just day. three wow. months
1: before the premiere. That's pretty amazing, Gary. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You've yeah. got uh, so. at this recording, I checked just right around 400000 likes and followers on Facebook. And as you said, just growing like wildfire, because I think everybody's excited that, uh, that these guys are back with a fresh start. I, I really do.
0: And, and Nick, oh, I know yeah. you do a good amount of writing uh, for for the program to nation as well. I'm curious were were both you guys at the LA recording?
2: Yes, we both were.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so I. I my biggest question watching it and if you again if you've seen it you've seen this transition point and of course the editor in me is always watching there's that amazing opening of this of this first episode of course starts in london and it does the whole kind of cinematic story of clarkson getting fired and then the show start grand tour starting and all of that and it was awesome it was incredible Mm -hmm. but then there is a clear edit point between the end of that sequence and the moment when the roll door of the tent comes up and they step into the studio. So my question for you guys is, you were in the studio audience. What's the story on the audience that was outside when they rolled up through the desert?
3: I think both of us were in the desert audience, not the studio audience. Yeah. Oh, I misunderstood. Oh, wow, okay. So we were in the, yeah, both me and Nick, we actually corresponded on Facebook because I literally just started the, the the fan page started in August. The website didn't start until September, oh, and wow. then okay. um I called for volunteers, and Nick was one of the first volunteers to come through. And oh, then cool. we were we were talking through the Facebook page, and we were like, "Oh, you're gonna be there? Okay, let's meet up." But when we got there, the day of the opening sequence recording, um they told us to put our phones away before we couldn't even get inside the holding pen. I guess. Oh sure. And sure. then sure. Yeah. Um, it was it was yeah, yeah we weren't able to. Pen. I didn't know what he looked like. So I, <laughs> I didn't know who to look for. So we didn't meet until after the taping, and we met at, like, what was that, Jack in the Box parking lot? And oh, then I wow. got to shake his Damn hand nice. and just talk, and then, you know, we got to kind of compare notes of what happened that day. Very oh, wow. cool. So
0: you guys were in that audience. You were in the outdoor concert audience. Yes. That yes. was the fun one, I
2: think. Wow. <laughs> was that at the That's same amazing. time
1: as the indoor audience, or was that entirely at no. a different date and time?
2: Oh, the next day. The next day was the studio. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the outside was on a Saturday, and then the inside in the tent, that was filmed on a Sunday.
1: Got
0: interesting. It. Okay.
2: Alright. Alright. Because we know
0: like like Matt Farah, I'm pretty sure was in the studio audience, so uh it was interesting to hear the I didn't realize you guys were in the outdoor one. Because that just seemed nuts. I mean, in a great way, but it just seemed nuts to see that outdoor crowd.
3: It, it was nuts. It was, I mean it was yeah, so, there were so many people and um it was just fun though right nick i mean most of the time everyone just hang out in the tent but you got to talk to people from different parts of the country that's really
2: different cool different so was the world, it this actually
0: oh amazing what's the what's the farthest distance you you knew of somebody that had come from nick russia really yeah. really wow. yeah i didn't hear about that that from one russia wow. yep that's astounding so i mean how, how did people get i mean how did you guys how did people get tickets for this
3: um, Amazon um, sent out a, uh, a, a email, right? Like,
0: okay.
2: I,
3: I don't even know what month. Um, was it July? I think was it Nick? Yeah. Nick, it was like July, right? They I, sent out an email yeah, saying it was, that
2: it was July yeah. when I got the, uh, notification on Amazon itself. Okay. Interesting. But was it too, was it defined in the ticket process about this outdoor event
0: versus the indoor event? Or did you have any idea? No, no
3: idea. No, I had no but then they eventually started, you know, doing the you, you would apply and then afterwards you would get an email saying that someone's gonna call you and then you get okay. a phone call. And then once you got accepted, you would get um, either from what I heard, you would either get the opening sequence tickets or the studio tickets. <laughs> Some people it. even got both. We actually had I, I actually wow. met someone who got both and um he he was uh you know he was a huge fan. He actually was on the waiting list for the Top Gear show in London for like four years. I think they just gave oh, him wow. I think they they saw him and they I think they they hooked him up. but
0: um sure, sure, sure. yeah, the,
3: they they gave all the information in the ticket. You had to read the fine print and it would tell hmm. you like, this is for the opening sequence. Just be ready you're gonna be outdoors uh bring maybe bring something to sit on or you know uh, outdoor gear it's gonna be hot water will be provided i mean it was it was pretty good i mean the whole process was kind of um i guess it was nerve-wracking because the phone call came from an unknown phone number
2: So you can't, you had to pick
3: up every call, you know? So it was was kind of, if you got it, you're like, oh, you hear a British accent. You're like, oh, what's up? you try to make a good impression? (laughs) It sounds like a job interview.
0: That's a right. That's a right. Interesting.
1: Well, guys, uh, it looks like you've got ticket information on both the Facebook site here and grandtournation.com slash tickets. I'm wondering if you could explain to our audience about uh, future shows I would expect most, if not all, of the first season is filmed at this point. But just wondering what you know about that for future tickets and, uh, yeah, any tips and tricks that you can tell the audience listening.
2: I, I believe they're actually still filming for this season, if I remember reading correctly. Okay. Um, I would just, uh, you know, get your application in as soon as you can. And uh, if you get that phone call and the email, just, you know, really pour your heart out. Let them know why they should choose you. Because from what I understand, the first, the L.A. filming, there were, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, but I believe there was huh. 1.8 million people that applied for it.
1: Right. And only something wow. like
2: 40,000 people were actually chosen. Oh, Wow.
3: No, four, 400 people were chosen, and 400 people got to bring along three guests. So that's how it got hmm. to 1,600. And then yeah, 2,000, yeah, I guess, wow. there were like extra people. Yeah.
1: So crying so it on the phone day, those numbers. is highly suggested, crying and weeping and, and explaining <laughs> yes, yes. why <laughs> you should be the person, right? I mean – well, what we don't want to scare them. We're
3: not, you know, we're not going to jump on jump on the stage or anything. But I think I just told my stories of how I how I found out about Top Gear and what my favorite episodes were, and um, I think, yeah, I mean, I was on borderline groveling for it, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really tried not to beg. That was the really <laughs> hardest part. Yeah. Well, fantastic. So the,
0: the kind of stuff that Grand Tour Nation is now showing. I mean, are you guys uh, are you guys trying to just stay ahead of? Is it primarily a news hub or is it yeah, a, like a social hub or what's the intention for both those locations? it's
3: a it's a community because this isn't really my first fan site i would say um i've had a uh, past history with some other fan pages and you know what i would do is aggregate all the news mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um you know just because i know everyone's looking for it everyone's looking there's so many platforms like hammond doesn't like Hammond doesn't like Twitter or something or Instagram. I think. He, oh, he doesn't like Instagram. So you know he's hey. on Twitter. And then you got a and James May's on Snapchat. And then Jeremy Clarkson's on Twitter and Instagram. And hmm. then uh, the Grand Tour has their own uh, social media schedule. So yeah. it's just like trying to aggregate everything and put it together. And then also adding the service of, like, talking about what other people are saying about the Grand Tour or what other news people have been seeing or reactions or Netflix, like okay, the Netflix sure. uh, execs. What are they thinking about the show? So that's what we're oh, trying cool. to do is, is provide that service so it's a one place for you to get everything. And then you can talk to other people who have similar interests. And then usually that builds a pretty good community.
0: Gotcha. That's awesome. That's great.
1: Well, guys, uh, let's get right into the show and kind of after seeing it and seeing the opening, I mean, seeing the whole first episode, what did you think? I mean, I so far I haven't heard too many negative comments just because I think the guys, the trio, is getting a bit of a pass in that everybody's excited to see them back on television or back online, you know, back uh, doing their own show and excited mm-hmm. for a fresh start because everybody loves that chemistry so much. And we've always wanted more. I think there's so many sites and journalists, you know, a lot of car enthusiasts being inspired by this trio. I certainly liked it. I loved the opening sequence. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to hear from both of you, Nick and Gary. What did you think after watching the first
2: episode? Well, to be honest with you, um, I, I personally loved it. I there were a few things I was a little disappointed in. Um, I'm not sure how in depth we can get about that, but. For the most part, I thought it was, you know, that, that opening sequence, it was, you know, it was Christmas morning, you know, <laughs> waiting for so That's long good- to see the trio back together. And then the way that they put it together with the Mustangs and the kind of splitting off and I, I thought it was absolutely amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: I I agree with that. That opening sequence was stunning, and that moment when they come. I mean, the Fisker rocket, I think, is a little bit of a weird oddball choice, but I I get it. I do get it. The minute that they come down, they they jib down from kind of over the rocket down to the front grill, and then they reveal the other two Mustangs coming up alongside. That's an awesome TV moment right there. That was just a Mm -hmm. really cool moment, and I I was in love with that. Uh, And then I'm actually curious, because you guys were in the outdoor audience, did they show you anything? Or did you just do the outdoor audience or was that it? Did you actually see any of the films? No, uh,
3: You mean like any of the, um, the tapings that they did before?
0: Right, yeah. No, I'm saying like it, for the studio audience, the studio audience stands there. And then as I understand it, the studio audience stands there. And then when they cut to a film that the rest of us would have seen you know, just in order, the studio audience is standing there watching that film on the monitor. So with you guys being in the outdoor uh, collection of people, did they show you guys anything? No, no,
3: I don't. I don't think I got to see anything. I think okay. my thing so, would just yeah, there was nothing there.
0: So you were there for to, for the shooting of the opener, but you essentially saw the actual first episode with the rest of us then. Yes. yes, yes. Okay, all right. So yeah, dive in here, Gary. Give us some thoughts, some things that struck you about it.
3: Um, I was I was watching all Top Gear leading up to this, so I was just getting ready for it and just seeing what they're gonna. They're going to skimp out on everything um Mm -hmm. the opening sequence was great i think when we heard the music um from house hot uh, hot house flowers i think Mm -hmm. that's the name right um yeah Mm -hmm. you know i was like oh okay this is like old old music we're listening at an old rock concert jeremy clarkson's big but then now listening to that music and then watching the opening sequence it really did give you a few goosebumps because you know what jeremy clarkson had to go through to get to this moment and yeah. this, the, the anxiety well, punching that, somebody,
0: but I know what you mean beyond yeah, that. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Beyond, beyond the punching <laughs> thing.
3: I mean, if you, if you look back at the story, I mean, we wrote a little bit uh, about this is talking about what led up to the punch. I mean, his mom just died and he just went through a divorce after a 21 year old marriage. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, there's you know, stuff it was just on. crazy. Like a, a lot of the stuff that he was going through, but then, you know, that was the last straw. He went through this 20 months, his friends left to to go join him on this, this new adventure, um, yeah, yeah. opening sequence was great. I think, um, the thing is watching the, that opening sequence, it, it felt like I only saw a small percentage of what I experienced it, mm. you know, mm. like mm. You, you didn't get to Ooh. see all the cars that were there. Like when we got so much time to walk around and look at all the individual cars. You got yeah. to mm-hmm. the people. I don't think you got to really experience the camaraderie that people uh developed by just coming together in the desert. Um hmm. wow. I mean, those Ooh. are just the little things that I feel like I wish they could have portrayed more in the in the opening sequence, but I understand why they didn't. Okay? Sure. But Ooh. um sure. overall the the episode was great. I mean the American section was just an, I I wasn't a big fan of it. I think there was just mm-hmm. either it was an elaborate troll of um the the BBC, which totally could be possible. I mean every hmm. segment that they had it seemed like they were just they walked the line on purpose to, yeah. to see well, how I much they can get away with, you know? Yeah. And the American was just another way to say, okay, well, we're going to have American, we're going to have a team racing driver and he's going to talk and and he's going to be annoying, you know? But um, I thought the element that I liked the most was just watching Jeremy Clarkson review the M2. He just, mm. you know, mm. it was just watching him just get back into what he was good at. And that was sure. probably the most genuine and the most, um, other than the, the hypercar reviews, but the M2 really just, that gave Jeremy Clarkson the spotlight again. I felt like he really thrives in that kind of environment.
1: Well, hmm. speaking of that, Gary and Nick, I, I'm curious, you've already touched on some of the Facebook questions we've gotten on Everyday Driver Facebook site here questions for you guys and you brought up the m2 i mentioned to todd after seeing the episode i thought that even more now that the trio will have enormous influence over the buying public and shaping public perception about certain cars, or maybe not. Maybe those cars that they review, they, they might give a negative review, and that could tank sales or has the potential to. I feel like they did mm-hmm. on a certain level with Top Gear, but I feel like with the resurgence and now the Grand Tour, they've got even more pull in that department. I mean, yeah, we saw the M2, and it sort of made everyone want to run out and buy an M2 just because of his yeah. reactions to it. <laughs> So what do you guys yeah, think? That's I fair. mean, are they going to continue to increase their influence? I mean, just in the buying public alone. I mean, we had you said people from Russia, people all over the world there. And I'm just I'm curious as to what that's going to do to the industry and how they're going to respond to these guys, you know?
2: Well, absolutely. Uh, I believe that uh, car sales will I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan. I would go off of, you know, what they say. Because you look at the wide uh, range of cars that they have tested, you know, from vans to SUVs to hypercars. And so, you know, me personally as a fan, for the years that I've watched them, if they say, you know, this doesn't feel right about this car, I'm going to take their word for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, I'd like to go drive it, but I don't have that luxury for most of the market out there so i i think they heavily influence the car um market sales
1: yeah yeah Gary? i'd have
3: to agree they like they probably would be the last word i would i would listen to of course i would listen to you guys as well too you know and you know <laughs> well, and just you. see <laughs> yeah, <'cause, laughs> you. yeah you know, <laughs> obviously you know but i think for me when i'm buying a car i look i watch youtube videos i write uh, read all the articles. I don't know if you guys do this, but I create like a sort of a uh, uh, kind of a spreadsheet. I don't know if you do this, but I, I calculate all the rankings from every publication, and every YouTube ranking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then um, I see which one that I like the most and see what it's kind of my deciding factor, you know? And I think their sure. what they say about a certain car would weigh heavily, you know, in that it'd be a weighted, weighted column right there for sure. Um, I mean, Absolutely. I was just like you, Paul. I mean, when I saw the review of the M2, the enthusiasm, the hyperbole that he uses—yeah—it
1: um, yeah. was—it
3: was just like I want to get one right now. There's a dealership down the street. Mm-hmm. I just want to go trade, you know, <laughs> trade my car in for it, you know, and sure, and sure. Uh, just uh, just the way he did it. I think that's why I love that segment the most.
0: What I find fascinating about their reviews, and it happened on the M2, because. Look, Look! the filmmaker in me sees their reviews with a very skeptical eye because one of the things they're obviously trying to do is to create something that is fun to watch and sometimes fun to watch trumps let's actually give you correct information. But what I find Mm -hmm. interesting about that on the counter side, though, happened with this M2 piece, and that is Jeremy gets all into hyperbole about greatest M car ever. Then they wind up in the studio and they kind of beat that back down based on sheer speed, but then almost as a throwaway, Jeremy says, well, you've driven it, Richard. And Richard gets his smile on his face like, yeah, and it's awesome. And then he points at James and says, you've driven it too. And James is like, yeah. So in spite of the fact that those guys from a script perspective took counterpoint, when he gets this little throwaway thing and all three of them just kind of give a head nod like, yeah, it's awesome. That's very interesting to me because that's the moment when I feel like we've dropped the script and we're now real about the fact that Obviously, no car is perfect. We talk about that all the time. But all three of those guys were struck by the M2 is awesome. I almost feel like that kind of stuff makes more of an impression as a truthful impression than what they're going to do in the film. Because the film clearly is going to be scripted one direction or the other to make you feel something, which is what they do really well. But I love that kind of a side of all three of the guys now with just almost a head nod. We're like, yeah, the M2 rocks. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think And you nailed it, like that little, the extra stuff. And
3: that's where the chemistry oozes out. You know, that's where you can see it on TV. And you can see that they really do love cars and they do agree on certain aspects of it. That, I mean, no other review. Like they were arguing, they were trying to make something out of the hypercar review. You know, it wasn't that genuine review out of it. So that's why the M2 was great. And I wish they reviewed that the 48, but I know Ferrari has all their restrictions. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, yeah. we you know, yeah. we shall see what's coming here. I mean, clearly there's going to be lots of things. And one of the things that I was struck by multiple times in the films, and I have to say, my my big critique of, of the first episode, and it's episode one, even though these guys have been around forever, and they now have major budget. But one of the big things I was struck by is I, I did feel like the studio sections struggled. I felt like they were not mm-hmm. nearly as good as the stuff around it. Now, a lot of times the studio sections in Top Gear were operating at a level absolutely as good as – uh, as the films, I felt like this, they were trying almost to do too much with the studio sections. I mean, look, I'm being really picky to say this at all. No, you're right. I felt like... I,
3: there's no, there was no rhythm. There was no yeah. rhythm oh. to the studio. And that's the thing that was missing from Top Gear. Top Gear, you know, it took them years to get that formula. But of they course. had the cool wall. Mm-hmm. They had the celebrity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had all that stuff to cut things up to give you the rhythm. But this one was like, it's either the Hypercar review or we're back in the studio. That felt like that was the show for the first episode.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, I thought that the the fun thing about the opening, it happened like crazy in the opening all the way up through the them on stage doing the introductions thing, that section and all of the hypercar section and and Jeremy and the M2 and all of those. I felt like what they've talked about in interviews. These are three guys that know each other having a ridiculously fun job the the studio stuff started to feel like they're at work now. But the rest of it felt like we're just having fun. We just sure. we have the greatest job on the planet, and I <laughs> loved seeing that and that rapport. I, I think not only do we like watching it, but I think there's a there's like an aspirational we're living through them thing that happens, and I think that was on display big time.
1: Yeah, I I can see that. I, I mean, you're right. They've been together for so long; it's easy to have the expectation that you know they should be great right at episode one. On the other hand, it's a new format. And, you know, they're still finding our way. So I think we're all willing to give them a bit of a pass as the season or the episodes progress here, two and three. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Gary and Nick, we've even heard things like these guys don't have the privilege or ability to say catchphrases that they used on Top Gear. For example, Jeremy's closing statement on that bombshell. Mm-hmm. And he didn't use it. It, it's was, out. it yeah. stuck out. Yep. I mean, what have you guys heard about? The, the catchphrases and, you know, sort of trademarked things that are missing. What do you think?
2: The same thing. Uh, you know, that's what I read too is there's, there's a lot, you know, I know James May also enjoyed, you know, his little thing of, you know, I'm not sure if I can say this, but cock, <laughs> you know, yeah. he. that's how he answered to everything. And that's one thing that I read that, you know, he can't say, um, you know.
1: And teasing the French. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think I think
2: everybody is allowed to tease the French. I think that
0: just continues. But but you're right. I mean, there's so much stuff that you can see them walking along the edge of what the lawyers have decided is acceptable. And the BBC has said you can't. And, And but then there's the flip side, which is and I'm curious you guys feeling on their new race driver, the American. What's your take on that? Because clearly, they've had to go the opposite of where they were. So what do you think about that that execution?
3: I uh, like I said like I didn't I didn't like it. I think he no. talked too much. You know, yeah. it, but you're, it's not fair because you're comparing it to the stig.
1: <laughs> who you didn't know? say anything, and, sure. Uh,
3: yeah, who didn't yeah. say anything, which is what everyone's used to and you just want to hear um the music
2: narrating.
3: Yeah, or music Yeah, the stupid music or the silly
2: book that he's reading at that time. You know, that's yeah. You know the the
3: funny thing i read about the track was that it's i think has the same it's the same length as the top gear track really that makes yeah, sense. yeah like i so,
1: to get similar. yeah and times. like it has the same
3: elements it has the same elements as it so In it was time. kind of like interesting because have you guys seen the full airfield
1: yeah uh, I mean, Uh, from above, I think we've all looked at Google uh, Google Earth to to look at where it is. (laughs) Yeah, certainly.
3: But they're only using like a like I don't even know like ten percent of that field.
1: Yeah, so it's just interesting.
3: Yeah, Yeah, so it's I mean it's interesting. I I I I miss the old track. It makes watching this show makes you miss the the old Top Gear. That's that's how I felt too. You know. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it'll be curious as to when. The new Top Gear is operating and releasing episodes alongside the Grand Tour. People will be watching both. They'll be comparing both. It's almost like a war in a little ways because I, I think oh, Top Gear UK I, I, has found its voice now with with Matt LeBlanc. You know,
3: it's not even close now, though. It's not a competition. Yeah. I think Jeremy Clarkson just basically just laid the smackdown on the BBC <laughs> and said. Said, like, do you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to change your format to fit your hosts. And -hmm. they didn't. And they forced three hosts to fit into a format that the three, three boys did for 14 years, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that uh, everyone's going to see that, you know, top gear, if they keep it the way it is, it's not going to work. LeBlanc is honestly LeBlanc's cool. Everyone gave him good reviews in comparison to Chris Evans last year, but Evans was the worst. So it's like comparing like this to like who, you know, it's nothing. You can't do anything about that. So yeah. I think uh, they they really I really hope that they, they do a good job because I think Chris Harris deserves a real shot. And I think he got he's the yeah. one that got screwed out of this whole whole like three year situation. He, his career could have been really great, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, definitely
0: I'm, I'm very curious to see the next season. To... In fact, we get we get Top Gear Magazine and, and the it just came in with a Dream Garage uh is the latest um latest <laughs> issue. And the Dream Garage is those new three guys. It's Rory Reid, Chris Harris, and Matt LeBlanc having a big discussion, very much like the old the old trio but under the Top Gear banner talking about their dream garage. And it makes me go, okay, all right. The interview suggests that good rapport. They, Those three guys were definitely the standouts of last season. You know, let's hope we end up with twice as much good car television as a result of them existing. But you're right. They're going to have to find their own way. I mean, Paul and I have talked about that before. They're going to have to find their own way in their own format. Let's hope the BBC allows them enough wiggle room to do it. Clearly the, the Grand Tour guys are doing something totally different. And I'm expecting, as the name suggests, much more, I mean, certainly with the rumors, you guys probably know more than we do, there'll be a lot more kind of uh, Christmas special, uh, huge travel things coming on the Grand Tour.
3: I actually haven't heard anything about that. It's it's more about just the tapings and going from, I think what they did was they took that element of that Christmas special from Top Gear and applied it to Grand Tour. That's why they're traveling everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they just just filmed Nashville today, which is going to be the Doomsday Bunker special, I think. And then um, what else is there? I think, uh, yeah, I mean, they had Germany. They had Whitby. It's just weird. I don't know if they're actually going to do that yet. You know, I think that's the thing where they just want to figure out their show for the first year and then see if there is room for that Christmas special. I mean, I just watched the what the North Pole one last night. You know, Mm -hmm. I stay up till one o'clock watching the North Pole one. I thought that was one of my favorite ones, you know, and it's like, that's amazing.
0: That one's amazing. I totally agree. That
3: was great. You know, and I think that's the thing that I think we're all hoping for, uh, for them to make that, that one good one each, each season. But I think for the grand tour, each one is going to be great in its own, in its own way.
1: After this first episode, I know I'm just sitting back waiting to see what's next. I mean, with their budget and creativity, Mm -hmm. I am just kind of sitting back eating popcorn and just sort of (laughs) – I'm thinking, bring it! I am pretty much ready oh, yeah. for whatever you guys want to blow up and film and race and crash, <laughs> and add on camera just cool stuff, jets flying over and all kinds of stuff. I'm I'm personally oh, you, ready. You guys would have loved the
3: California. You guys would have loved the California taping. It's like a tech, <laughs> tech, you know, geeks' dream. You can see all the jibs, you can see all the cars, you can see all the background. You know, you got to yeah, meet yeah. the behind-the-scenes guys. You oh, know, the, yeah. I yep. forgot. You know, but you see them, and then you you watch the Africa special, and you're like, "Oh, dude, he's right there," and like he's still oh, working just as hard. You know, and sure, that's the crazy sure. thing you get to see behind the behind the scenes people who really make everything work.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not of which not there only many, that, many. but you know, yeah, you get you know the the trio themselves. They they come out into the crowd and give everybody hugs and sign autographs and handshakes, and they'll sit there and they will talk. And talk mm-hmm. until they were actually dragged away, saying, "Okay, we need to continue this." But mm-hmm. they they showed a genuine love for their fans, for us. Um, you know, it was it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, Clarkson Clarkson was sharing cigarettes. He was like, "Anybody want a cigarette?" And like, <laughs> yeah. they would go over to
3: over to the corner near the tent and just start smoking. And you know, you can tell. <laughs> I think that day, I mean, Nick, I don't know if uh, you saw something different, but. Richard Hammond looked really tired, and but James May and Clarkson were still good. They were good with the people and everything. But I think that same day, that they, after the taping, they had to drive over and meet with James Corden to do that skit, mm. you mm. know. And then the next day, they had the studio, and then yeah. after that, I think they went into Beverly Hills for a drink. From from <laughs> what I gather, you know, <laughs> yeah, good yeah, so, yeah. That's got to be a brutal yeah. shoot
1: schedule. And you can probably find Jeremy's unsmoked cigarettes on eBay now somewhere. You know, I'm sure somebody's yeah. Well, but stop capitalizing. Totally.
0: <laughs> but I have yeah. to be tacky for a second. The last thing that man needs is another cigarette. He is the <laughs> oldest late fifties man on the planet. He's like he's like an anti walking anti smoking commercial. As much as I like the guy as an entertainer, he is a walking anti smoking ad at this point. It's terrible yeah. to say.
3: No, but yeah. just show him your teeth. Just show him the teeth,
0: and, and then, then help make oh, yeah. kids
3: not smoke again. There you go. You know, it's like perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely true. So. Yeah. You guys are going to continue to, to push out kind of all, everything anybody needs to know about the Grand Tour uh, through both the Facebook page and the website. Uh, so that's awesome. So we can kind of find a general, I don't know another way to put it. It's almost like you're the funnel for all the different uh, places where we can find an info. We can go just there and find it. So thank you guys for doing that. Thank you for being with us. Anything else uh, on your brains as far as Grand Tour before we, uh, before we wrap this up?
2: Oh shoot! We could uh,
0: probably both go on for hours on end.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, we could. But, so if uh, you
3: want, if you want us back, uh, you know, if we're not talking too much, I mean, we'd, we'd love to come back and talk more about the show. I think we're just excited as you guys. I think we're fans just like you guys, and we just happen to read a lot more about it than you guys. But we hope to share it <laughs> with you. So
0: you know, come on by anytime you guys want. Cool. That's well yeah, you're great. focusing on it so we can
1: find it. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for for jumping on here with us. And yeah, after uh, subsequent episodes, we'll we'll look forward to having you back.
3: Okay, you guys take care.
1: Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So that was
0: Gary and Nick from Grand Tour Nation. They are the guys that are working feverishly behind the scenes to give you all of the information, everything going on about the Grand Tour show, far more than we've even discovered. Uh, They've dug into all of it. And I had no idea until that uh, conversation that they were actually in the outdoor audience discussion.
1: Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I mean, we kind of thought, yeah, two different audiences. Interesting to hear that that was two different days. And, uh, yeah, some cool inside information for that. And we look forward to having them back on. They've expressed that. We're really excited to have more episodes scroll by and then uh, have those guys back on to to tell us more. Yeah,
0: once we get close to the end of the season, maybe we'll have a lot more to talk about. We can talk about highlights of the Grand Tour. Let us know your your thoughts as the audience about uh, having those guys on and uh, anything you'd like to know about it or what your feelings are on the Grand Tour. I mean, you know, that's not... Obviously, our focus here, but at the same time, it is major automotive news because it's that kind of thing that bleeds everywhere else, so we certainly should cover it. But we're also going to do a car debate. As the name of the podcast suggests, we have (laughs) one of those on the docket here as well this evening. We've got Brian writing to us from Ohio with a lengthy story, but uh, I've got a couple good ideas here. So so what are you thinking, Paul?
1: Yeah, this is a great story. And Brian, uh, his last name is Claus. And I have to poke fun. You know, whichever girl you marry has the potential of becoming Mrs. Claus. You understand that, of course. This is true. Never yes. been poked fun at before. Of course, I get a lot of. Nobody's uh,
0: ever said that. You're the first. I'm You're the first. You're very much the first to ever do I that. I thought yeah. it was a
1: little bit creative instead of just going straight for the Santa Claus thing. But you know.
0: Nicely done. Okay.
1: Uh, yep. Brian, yep. thanks for writing, in. we're really appreciative of that. I get a lot of uh, guff for my last name too, but just think jams and jellies, and you'll think delicious jams and jellies to spread on your toast, and you'll stop. remember my last name.
0: Stop. Just, just stop. Oh, we should, <laughs> we should move on. I get teased from my hair, so we, we all have yeah, our, yeah, yeah. So all yeah, have
1: our thing. So yeah, I understand. All right, so Brian's, yeah, so. <laughs> uh, Brian's got a uh, a bunch of cars here, as a matter of fact, and a lot of experience. He is twenty six. And uh, is also, what is he? He is uh, the competition director for the Buckeye Miata Club. So he is in central Ohio writing to Mm -hmm. us with three cars that he currently owns. He's going to sell two and get a new Mm -hmm. daily driver. So this is the big news from Brian.
0: Yep. Yeah, he's got a a 2005 Audi S4 that he loves, but it's starting to get really high mileage, and he's going he actually said it. He said he loves it. He loves everything about it. But every day he drives it and it doesn't break, he feels like he got lucky. <laughs> so that's time. the step he's on. So the, the S4 is going to go. The other one that's going to go is his 1991 British Racing Green uh, Mazda Miata. So that is an NA Miata that he's had forever. He's had a string of Miatas. But that's the Miata he has now. So that one and the Audi are going to get sold. He's going to keep his 2004 Mazda Speed Miata. Bravo to you, because that actually is a very rare and pretty awesome version. So you're going to keep that NB uh, 2004 Mazda Speed in the garage either way. So the question is, what becomes the new daily driver? Now you are a guy that believes in winter tires. Bless you for that. You're going to be much happier as a result. So you're happy to go all-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive doesn't doesn't don't really matter. You do want four seats in your new daily driver, and uh, you have. Listed for us, it's a long list. There's multiple scrolls here happening. But you listed for us all the things you've driven, all the things you've owned. You've got pretty good experience. Plus, you've done a lot of track days with the Miata Club, which mm-hmm. means you've tracked a lot of other kinds of cars. So you've got a good wide range of experience. And uh, this gets kind of
1: fun. His budget is 20000 He says he could go up to $25,000. So guess which money I'm shopping for, Brian. Uh, yeah, the first two surprised. don't count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but as Todd said, he's got a lot of list of wants here, which are varied, and it kind of threw me all over the map for a little while. But I was able to narrow eight choices down to about three to really suggest you. for you. Of course, Good. you know, being this competition director, having a lot of experience on track, and having driven quite a few cars with this budget, mm-hmm. he's wanting something fun to drive because he takes people on cruises in Southeast Ohio and West Virginia. So he's got to have you know hills and curves and fun mountain roads, but reliability also seems at the top of the list here. As, as Todd also yeah. said, the S four has been good, but he's just kind of I, I want to I want to get away from that emotional fear of just living on the edge. Is it gonna break? Am I <laughs> buying time? My living on borrowed time, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. In other news, if you're looking for an 05 S4 or a green Miata for sale, we can can put you in touch with Brian. Um, Brian
0: is now your guy. You're right. That is happening.
1: (laughs) Seats, ergonomics, a nice interior. You mentioned modern features. You also mentioned all-wheel drive, but okay with rear-wheel drive. Okay. And Mm -hmm. snow tires, winter tires. And then you're arriving at a sedan. And... You might think with all the previous discussion that Todd and I have that a budget of $25,000, we might automatically suggest WRX or STI because of the all-wheel drive, because of winter weather and winter tires. But I'm going to stay away from that because he has driven that, multiple WRXs and STIs, as a matter of fact. Even though the car is not going to see the track and he likes owning unique cars, I just don't think a WRX is going to fit the bill here. I'm looking for something more okay and there's a car Brian that I think you're ready for so I'm gonna Uh-oh. tease you with that Wow <laughs> that
0: that sounds that sounds like you almost went sniper shot there oh, I uh, I, I actually you you listed I'm, I want to list through Brian's cars he's most considering because there's a lot of information prior to that but i felt like the cars he's most considering was quite informative especially considering that he was kind of leaning sedan but yet on this list we have the frs brz he's very curious about maybe that's the answer it does have four seats technically i see your point the wrx the bmw 3 series another audi a4 i'm going to say to you right now brian let's not get another audi this, that I'm just going to say let's just yeah. not no, yeah. no offense yeah. to Audis but you've no, had no. this 05 for so long you've liked it I'd love to get you new experience you're wondering about the IS-350 and two Mazdas, both the 3 and the 6. I like both the 3 and the 6. Those are great cars. We talk about Mazda a lot. I'd like to get you something a little more sports car focused. If you're going to be leading uh, drives with it and that kind of thing, I'd love for you to have something a little more sports car. The IS-350 is a surprising car here if you get it uh, with the F-Sport pack and all that. It is a surprising car, but I, I started to lean more toward cars you could really hoon. They could be a track car. They could be a commute car. They could be a car that leads you on drives. That is the stuff that started to really hone my choices. I like the FRS BRZ for you in a lot of ways, but I actually wonder if it's usable enough and nice enough for your needs. I actually took that off my list, and I left with three. One of them, I do have to say, is the WRX. I think that's a real contender here, and I'm Mm kind of surprised, Paul, that you've thrown
1: it out. It's not that I've thrown it out for, you know, because it's not a good car, it wouldn't fit. I threw it out because it seems to be such a usual suspect. And okay. I, I also, because this is not the car that has to do it all, because he's mm. got the 0.4 Mazda Speed Miata that he's keeping, I thought, all right, you know, because usually we suggest the Subies if this is the car and you want to do so many different things with it, even though he does. There's a long list of... It's got to do all this stuff. But he's still got this fun car in his hip pocket over here, which is – Fair. I fair look point. at it as more of the track car, to be honest. I could be wrong here. Yeah. But I'm yeah. kind of looking at that as the the track beater, you know, that, that really what he's doing the competition stuff with. And then the one over here could be something wildish, wildcardish, mm. something totally different. And the go-to okay. car. So that's what – inform my decision not that it's bad not that it couldn't it definitely can okay but we just all right i see that we arrive at it so many times because it is so good and and there's good reason you know it, it just it does it fits so many people's lives and of course our driving enthusiast community it does so
0: Sure. That's oh, kind I have of what I was thinking. Two others I thought of, but I'm curious where. If, unless you have a sniper shot, you want to list at the end here. I'm curious where else you went. I do have two to, two to mention for.
1: I do have a sniper at the end, but I'll start with the two, and they are sedans. I was listening to you, wanting four seats, and wanting to, the sedan, and I come up, came up with some non usual suspects. Kind of a weird way to say it, but I I landed on these two cars because armed with twenty five thousand dollars. You have a boatload of choices on the internet. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the sweet spot for shopping with that amount of money. I mean, Infinities and Nissans and Lexi and BMWs mm-hmm. and on and on and on. And I thought, what's standing out to me? And so the first one that did was a 2015 Volvo S60 T5, $21,900, mm. fairly low miles. And I thought, huh, because – it's still sporty and fun. It's not the most amazing car ever, but, you know, that's in terms of, you know, hardcore sports driving. I think this would be a great choice for you because it is so different. It's the go-to car for everything else, and it's comfortable, and it's got great seats. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing, great seats. <laughs>
0: yeah, I see that. So uh,
1: then I moved on from there to a Mercedes CLA 250, and I found one for exactly hmm. 25000 2014. Something I liked, even though it's not all-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive, we really liked this car, and we're impressed yeah. by it. And they're at a price point now that it is unique, it's certainly luxurious, modern conveniences, great seats, small enough, and it can do those things that you're looking for. Some cars do it better, but the Mercedes is a, it's definitely a uh, standout kind of a choice. It, it's sort of... Okay. You know, sort of like a noticing a watch on somebody's wrist. Hmm, what kind of watch is that? Why did you choose it? You know, who are you? <laughs> What's your taste? That's
0: or if you're cool. me, you just think, oh, look, he wears a watch. That's really the end of the thought. <laughs> okay. But I take your point. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: low. what are you doing wearing a watch? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just go ahead and arrive at my sniper shot. And uh, I will caveat this endlessly. But I want the listening audience to know that I I tried to throw out my Porsche proclivities and just land okay. on this because right. at pumpkincars.com it's a funny website but they've got spectacular cars. I found okay. you a black 2000, a 996 Carrera 2 with 50,000 miles for twenty five thousand dollars bang on the nose twenty four nine 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 as a matter of fact. And this is the car that I think you're ready for. I got my first Porsche when I was 27. Brian, you're 26, and I think you're ready for your first Porsche. (laughs) I think this is a brilliant sports car. It's in fantastic shape. It's got great wheels on it. It looks to be spectacular condition. And I'm thinking, you know, this is a great way to get into real Porsche ownership without breaking the bank, without – I mean, yes, you're going to need maintenance, but I think as a sports car, brilliant, fun to drive, it's going to do all those things. It's got four seats, four great seats. Well, two of them are comfortable. The back two are not as has, comfortable.
0: has two great seats and two and things masquerading as seats. Let's like be honest. Come on. Spray
1: painted on. But, you know, it does have seats, and I'm trying to justify it, <laughs> even though I know it might not work for you, but it is bang on your high price level. And it's a Porsche. So I, I offer this humbly to you to consider. I, and you... I have chased
0: your rabbit trail. <laughs> I am looking at this car. And I have to say that is a find. If Brian doesn't snatch this up, somebody should. Because that is a find of a good car for a good price. I do see that. I I didn't go there. But I do see how you got here. And that is, it's a it's an out there uh, sniper shot. But I, I see... Yeah, I see it. I of wild, huh? for sure. I just
1: thought, well, mm-hmm. yeah. a Porsche, a real Porsche that's, mm-hmm. you know, fried egg, fried egg headlight design notwithstanding, but it's a real yeah. Porsche. It's sure. got a lot of sure. power. It's a great sports car. It's a 911. You can't, you know, you can't assail that. And even though the interior isn't as modern, it's clean, and everybody uses their phone anyway for navigation, so who cares? And I... Yeah, I I just think you'd really dig it. So, something to consider. I think
0: he would enjoy it. I I think there I think that's a what I love about that choice is that is one that you really he probably wouldn't have dug for as much as we've talked about Porsche's. It probably still wouldn't have dug for it and it is an interesting thing to really have a could this work for me discussion. I don't know if it will, but Brian, I'm at least backing Paul's play on look into that seriously. That's a that's a fine,
1: man. Bravo on that. Oh, well, thank you. It's a fine. Yeah, for anybody looking for uh, very yeah. clean. It looks beautiful, as a matter of fact. I mean, for Some, Somebody's going to snatch that
0: up. If, if you decide to buy that car from that website, let them know we sent sent you just so they can go, who now? But anyway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but I have two others that I thought of as I was trying to think about four possibly usable seats Staying away from the Audi, trying to get into something. Because he also has a comment in here where he thought he'd love to have a car that if he got into a discussion with cars with people, it would be an interesting discussion point as well. It's got to do all this stuff, the daily driver stuff, the lead cruises, all of this kind of stuff. I have two for you that I think are real contenders. I already mentioned that I think the WRX in many ways does everything you need. But two others that are definitely possible at your price of 25 or under. One is the Mark VI, so the last generation Golf R.
1: Hmm. Good.
0: All-wheel drive for real seats. Now, you can get that car in two-door or four-door. In fact, I see them listed online here in, in both options. Uh, I've seen cars of both type listed under twenty five grand. you are going to have to shop probably nationwide on that. Uh, now, reliability, as we've talked about on the Golfs, is hit or miss. Half the people we know with them, love them, never had a problem. The other half do have problems, significant problems. So I, there is a dice roll there I will acknowledge. But the ones I'm finding, it's not like they're huge high mileage ones. They're all, you know, in the 60 to 80,000 mile range, which is a place where, yeah, okay, sometimes those Golfs turn. But it's still a place where you should be able to get a lot of life out of that car. And if you want to go crazy, you can tune it. If you want to leave it alone, great commuter, solid gas mileage, all-wheel drive if you need it. I think the Golf R is a real contender here, so I thought of that.
1: Okay, I like. And
0: then I also thought of one that I've mentioned a couple times because it is an also-ran in the BMW lineup, but this is the sweet price for this car. It is the 335i S. That is the E92 body style. So it is a coupe BMW with a turbo engine. It has more torque than the similar generation uh, M3, but it is an inline-six instead of that big V8 uh, that car is unique among that generation of BMWs. They're not common, but you can get them six-speed. They're good-looking. They have back seats that are not great because it's obviously a coupe, but there are real back seats in there. You don't need them all the time. You've got them if you need them. I think you'd really enjoy that car.
1: Mm. Great stuff. Great stuff. I mean, yeah, the, the list of cars, it's almost like when I start looking you know, unless it is a sniper, I, I have to take those with a grain of salt and just keep looking because of, you know, Mm. just trying to stumble across great finds, but those are great. I like it a lot. Those are really nice. So, Um,
0: hopefully something there has helped you, Brian. Uh, we, uh, We probably could run around other places, but uh, those are the ones that really struck me, especially for this price. I really wanted to get you something. Because, look, I love the FRS BRZ. Obviously, I own one. I like the WRX, but I'd like you to be in something that if you're sitting there still in traffic, it's a nice place to be. And those cars aren't. Yeah. So... You know, it's got to do that. I felt like that was a was a paramount consideration here. But I can't imagine you hooning your IS350 leading a high-speed drive down a canyon road. I just can't, <laughs> I can't envision that. So some of those cars come off the list. Maybe I'm weighting this incorrectly, but hopefully something in here between the two of us, Brian, has helped you. Should we do some Facebook questions?
1: Yes, we should. We've got uh, quite a few on here, and I've got uh, a few that I've really liked. But uh, okay. I do want to jump in since uh, it does correspond with the Grand Tour. Dammy wrote to us and asked, if the hosts from the Grand Tour were American cars, (laughs) what kind of cars would they be? And it didn't take me long to figure this out or to decide on my choices. Of course, uh, I think Richard Hammond would be a Mustang, and that could be any year. I liked that. Of course, he loves them, and it fits. Jeremy Mm -hmm. would have to be something with lots of power, a Corvette, a a ZR1, or maybe a Hellcat, something like that, just – Gobs of ridiculous It's funny because I went power.
0: Mustang for Richard, but I think Hellcat Challenger is, is Jeremy. OK. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll take that. It does not apologize for what it is, and there's nothing else really like it out there. Many of it is kind of old school and not staying with the times, but a Hellcat Challenger, that's just – that's him. Keep going.
1: Yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> then my last choice here is um, for James – I think it would have to be a 1976 Ford Granada sport coupe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, that is specific. Yeah, I that I, is um, specific.
1: They uh were massively underpowered even though they had V8s in them, but uh <laughs> you know, pretty heavy, slow, not the that great to look at and um <laughs> what else? Not to uh not trying to be uh disrespectful but i just thought that kind of fit his personality so that's me
0: that's that's very funny i did go for some reason my brain landed on like brand new cars sold now so that had me go gt 350 mustang for richard the yeah. hellcat for jeremy and then i went focus rs for okay. uh for james because okay. genuinely fun car but if you look at them compare the other two it's like why'd you bring a hatch you know what I mean? It's, if, if, if they got two muscle cars, <laughs> right. what the heck is James doing showing up in the hatch? And yet it is a genuine performance car anyway. So I thought that was, the, uh, that was oddball enough in the pairing of the other two to work for James. I like that question too, Dammy. Thanks for that.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, what else? Uh, I had some good questions. We also have some good questions from prior postings on our Facebook site here that you guys have asked, mm-hmm. which uh, mm-hmm. I selected a couple. But uh, what else struck you?
0: Well, Rob asked this evening, he said, favorite driving road in North America? Now, I, there are many I have not driven, but I would say we kind of have our favorites in every state. I mean, we love the, uh, the Highway 33 in, uh, in Ojai and in, in California. But you know what? Uh, Mulholland is a road you have to drive. You have to drive all of it because mm, Mulholland yeah. is a road that there's some really tight, trafficked, busy, what on earth is going on, where do all these people come from, sections in L.A. And then you've got some places that are empty, and fast and flowing and amazing with scenery of the coastline. So Mulholland is a crazy road in that regard. We have a road uh, out here called Highway 35 that uh, that goes up over a mountain pass near us here in Utah. That's a real favorite. I mean, a favorite in North America is hard because there are a lot of great ones. I'm gonna do a shameless plug right now for Mid-Engines and Mountains, our second feature film, Mm. because the whole point of that film we wrapped it around the alpha four c so we brought a cayman with it and we brought the lotus elise with it and we went in search of that thing every car magazine was doing this when the four c came out and of course they did they took the new mid-engine european car to the alps and went look at these great roads and i kind of raised my hand and went excuse me We have those roads in the U.S. We're not all roads to Moab that are straight shots to the horizon. So we found roads like that with amazing drop-offs and huge switchbacks right there in the Sierra Nevada mountains of California. So we drove a few of those. Now, those are near nothing, unfortunately. But they're they're also roads to nowhere. It's a one-way road to a parking lot for hikers. <laughs> so you get back there, and it's just Unbelievable! I highly recommend it. if you haven't seen that film. Those, It's worth it for the roads alone, let alone the cars. So those are some of my favorites for sure.
1: Yeah, that's up there. There's, of course, Tale of the Dragon, which we have not driven yet. It's got to be on our list. And I'm sure there's a few uh, other roads uh, in the Smoky Mountains that we need to get out there and drive. So we're working on that uh, in addition to some track days for 2017. Watch this space for that information. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, – I love it. I mean that was the entire point of the film is to go and search at those exact roads and we found them. So that's pretty Mm, cool. mm. Uh, I want to go back to uh, a few times ago, a few uh, postings ago on Facebook where Victor, you asked us, what information do you think is the most important to be displayed on the heads-up display if a car has one? And are we going to see the HUD taking more information on while the dashboard takes up more space, you know, Tesla screen, 17-inch – huge Mm -hmm. monitors and nav and that kind of stuff. And given the fact that I'm in the tech industry and I'm seeing so much of this uh, and thinking about uh, a drive that I had last night, Victor, I'd like to see some choices for augmented reality on the heads-up display or maybe the entire screen Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. a thing here in Utah is people hitting deer on the road and yeah. you can't yeah, yeah. have you can't drive with your brights on all the time because of course it'll blind people in oncoming lanes and deer and people hitting deer is is a real problem. I mean, people are yeah. getting killed yeah. and uh, you know short of fences and that kind of thing, deer will still wander onto the road and you're not going to see it. Yeah. And that just struck me and I thought, wow, that is just the last thing I want to be doing. And I was in the Cayman and just thought, Ugh. I mean, my tires actually rolled over guts and bone and probably mm, some antlers. Yuck. I mean, I, it was straddling the center uh, uh, line, and oh, I thought, yuck. oh my gosh, and it was past me, and I thought, I didn't see it. And the cars ahead of me were pulled over, the cops were there already. I yuck. just thought, ugly. And so I thought, huh, what about some augmented reality in terms of terrain, and which yeah. direction the road's going to go as far as, you know, my headlights mm. can't see farther up there, but based on my nav, my GPS location... And knowing what road I'm on, it can give me direction of where the road's going to go at night, you know, in green or blue. It'll mm. show me where the road's going. And it'll, it might even show me, you know, stuff out there. If it's a, a forward-looking sonar, radar, infrared, something like that, to show mm-hmm. me things, animals crossing the road or cars parked or a ladder in the freeway or, you know, something yeah, that will give wow. me information at night that will help me, you know, give me a, a – some sort of heads up, and uh, I'd like to see augmented reality on uh, on cars. Wow. Of course, the choice the choice being you can turn it off. I don't want advertising as I'm driving through, you know, a <laughs> parking lot and mall for hey, coupon this and eat a claim jumper. The, the and car, cheesecake factory. The
0: car hears your stomach grumble. And then it says hungry in your heads up display and starts showing you options. Starts showing you ads, <laughs> and people will spam. That's, that's where it we're with going. Pizza ads. That's where we're you, going. You won't be yep. able to see, and yep. you'll
1: crash, and you'll be hungry and have a wrecked car. So that's your, all your heads up
0: display is now all advertisement. I I, I shudder for the future because I see that. However, I think your answer is superb. I had not I had not thought far enough future tech to get there, and that is it's excellent. It's really really good. I mean I I feel like the for me. When I have a heads up display, I like to see speed and gear indicator and RPM. Mm-hmm. Those are the yeah. things that, yeah. that, because those are the things I'm most likely to look down to get. Sure. sure. So, you know, especially if, if you're driving something that is a, a paddle shift, for example, I think that, I feel like when I drive a really good paddle shift car, I drive it two ways. For a while, I'm letting it just deal with itself. Whatever gear you happen to be in is fine. But if I want to downshift all of a sudden, I just grab a paddle and I go. Well, the information I need in that instance when I'm about to grab a paddle is what gear am I in? Mm Mm-hmm. And so if I had a little in the corner, there's that gear. Here's what the RPMs are doing. Here's the speed. That, to me, is the vital stuff. I mean, a lot of them also give you, here's, this, uh, here's the actual speed limit on this road. I, I can see that with signs out the window already. So sure. I just, you know, yeah. I, yeah, but yeah. I want to know my speed, speed. Anything that keeps me from looking down I think is awesome. But I love your future tech idea. That uh, That's really cool.
1: Yeah, the more I'm into it, the more I think you know, like a Hololens or some sort of you know a Meta, something like that. That's that's powered and you know can use your your location of your car. Of course, maybe it just utilizes your phone location and uh, mm-hmm. just the mm-hmm. fact that it's in that car traveling at this speed and it it's yeah. helping you out and just giving you more information, especially at night, because that's when yeah. uh, it seems like so many accidents happen, especially in weather and. That's what we're starting to get into uh, here in Utah. So, Yeah. I I put
0: the winter tires on the FRS today. I did. Did you? Fantastic. I did. I put the winter tires on the FRS. Of course, because it's in the 30s now. So I thought, all right, that's legit. It's supposed to snow seriously this week. So I thought that was serious. And uh, and yeah, so it's a whole new world, which means I also have the terrible stock rims back on the car. (laughs) Oh, big sigh. (laughs) However, good news. I was able to get a whole set of rims off the car and a whole other set of rims on the car and not break off a single uh, bolt. That, that made me happy.
1: That's, uh, that's yeah. first, actually. That's fantastic. It's,
0: it's sad. It's sad that that's something to celebrate on those cars, but uh, it is. So that actually happened. Uh, Jonathan Drake wrote into us and asked us, in honor of our discussion of the Grand Tour earlier, he said, what do we consider a quintessential Grand Touring car? What does a GT car really mean to us? <clears throat> I like this question. So he's asking for our, our, our personal opinion, and I – I have to say, there are a lot of cars that I think that we talk about as, and others talk about as, as being a good grand touring car. But if I had to really define it, it would be a car that eats miles in luxury. Uh, and, and for me personally, when I think of this, of this recipe, Aston Martins are the one that jumped to mind, yeah, because to me, they are yeah. the quintessential GT cars. But I mean, you could think of Ferrari F12, you could think of... Honestly, Corvette in some ways works here, even though it can al- obviously also hoon a canyon and, and do a track. But to me, it is a front-engined car with mm. the – I mean, think of an old Ferrari Daytona. A front-engined car with the cab at the back, the cab is a genuinely nice place to be. It has to have good seats, good leather. and It has to be a genuinely nice place to be. So if you are sitting – driving slower in weather or you're sitting in traffic – It's just great. You're enjoying being there. But the best place for it to be is that road where today I'm going to cover 500 miles, 700 miles. So I've got a stereo. I'm comfortable. The seats are great. But if I want to pass, it's like the tiniest flick of my toe because there's so much power available here that the pass is just this instant thing. That, to me, is a good grand grand touring car.
1: Hmm. I like that thought. I'm with you. Power and beauty strike me as top of the list requirements and i wonder about our future in terms of you know hmm. they don't electric cars don't all have to be the most functional thing in the world i mean the way they're going now is sure. Sure. they're designed like a boat every nook and cranny and everything has to be clever and functional and you know a good use of space and a clever idea and that's not what a grand tour is about it's about power mm-hmm. high speed beauty and comfort and t- and luxury as you said and so I think you know the electric car is the future. Are they going to be grand touring cars, or are we going to lose out on that pleasure because they don't? Oh, mm. ha- yeah. they don't all have to be at the high end. But I would say yes. Aston Martin, the Porsche 928 is definitely on my list. That just oh, sure yeah.
2: ate yeah, yeah. the
1: miles. Um, you know, I I think of you know some of the older '80s cars, I guess from the Europeans. Mercedes did this really well with the SLs and. You know, mm-hmm. the BMW, the, the 8 Series, the 850i sure, a V12, sure, yeah, yeah. an unusable back seat, and, you know, five cows had to die to coat the interior of your car, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: sure, I get it. Yep, yep, yep.
1: Things like that. And so, you know, the future is going to be interesting because electric cars won't need a long hood with a huge motor. They'll be so compact that mm-hmm, they'll mm-hmm. be able to do the space thing very efficiently have plenty of space left over and are we going to miss out on this pleasure in life you know for having big high speed yeah. gt cars that really serve that purpose the eating the miles rather than it charges and it fits in my space and it carries a lot of stuff yeah. and people and well, whatever
0: i'm going to be i'm going to be really odd for a second i've actually jonathan i've never actually thought about this question to this degree but this is just dawning on me right now if I want a track car, I think Lotus Elise or the Porsches work or, uh, you know, think of the hyper cars that are mid-engine. You want, to be able, you want to feel like you're sitting over those front wheels and can instantly see where the, where the front fenders are because you've got to make track-related decisions. But when you're in a grand touring situation, you're looking way out at the horizon. There's something satisfying about looking over a big, long hood that is in your vision that kind of leads toward the horizon. You're just you're sawing through miles. It's a different visual experience, even. Hmm. That is more thought than I've ever given it. But there it is.
1: Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I think me too. But uh, now it just means the boys are back. That's what it means. <laughs> grand there touring. There
0: you go. So. Do you have any other ones, or, or should we wrap this up? I know we're over an hour at this point.
1: I, uh, I do have always more. Uh, thank you guys for for writing in. Lots of clever questions consistently, but for now, we will leave it there. And uh, again, thanks to Gary and Nick for jumping on here. That is not the last you'll see of these guys, yeah. of course, both on Facebook and GrandTourNation.com. So go there for all your information. I know Todd and I will certainly be going there. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, looking forward to new episodes of that for uh for inspiration on how to blow stuff up so <laughs> yes
0: if, if we ever if we're ever curious and lost in the woods about how do we spend an enormous budget <laughs> one episode of watching old top gear or even the grand tour exactly. and we'll go there's where the budget goes Here's there your it is. style that's guy how you burn on, money on how to burn money
1: <laughs> uh, that's great uh well awesome uh Well, in the meantime, it is uh, Thanksgiving week here in the U.S., and so we are only posting one podcast for this week, but looking forward to talking to you next week. So in the meantime, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and as always, cheers.